river kingdoms are a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevoy sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters. Brevoy seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone to let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 129. So, when last we left you, you and Bryn had journeyed to the Forest of a Thousand Voices, um, with the Clockwork King's body in tow, um, <laughs> discovered that you in particular are not welcome here, that the trees that weep have endeavoured to repel Kaelin specifically. Uh, they have called you the man of metal, and from the context of what they're saying, it sounds like they might think you're Eravetti, or someone like Eravetti. Um, in fact, um, I'll probably just give you this one at this point as you as Kaelin thinks about it. it. It's not necessarily that they think you are necessarily the Clockwork King per se, but you are something close enough to him. The signifiers they use to recognize that are set off by full plate wearing Kaelin. Yeah. Um, equally, they might give the same reaction to, say, first wandering through here. Yeah. Any man of metal, for whatever they they, they use to define that, is not welcome in this, in this portion of the woods. Yeah. And that is not the entirety of the Forest of the Thousand Voices. This is this specific hex. Yeah. Basically, because... Presumably because Califrasis is very cool. Yep. Okay, and you have come out onto a grove, and there is that sort of wall of vines around it that Bryn has looked at and then just stepped through, stepping between worlds, and come out the other side, with Dementia Doring in. Ah, uh, yes. If you remember that. Ah, uh, yes, we just dimension-doored across the... Yeah, there's, there's basically a wall of vines there. So you've got this perfect glade in here. There's yeah. no overhang from trees. Sunlight shines in beautifully. There's bird song. It's quiet. It doesn't feel oppressive. But there's definitely a mark in the ground where there's vines growing all around it that she looks at and goes, okay, we probably don't want to step through those because it might... React yep. in some fashion as I can trivially bypass this obstacle dimension door. Yep. And we're on the other side. Yep. Um, if she cannot take the wagon per se, she can quite certainly take Eravetti with her. So yeah. That's of no um, 
of skill to you. I can look up if she can bring Windstriker in, but you probably don't care. No, I think um, he's probably... I mean, if it's important to him, he can come in with us. Not but, particularly. Um, you know, we're visiting the vicinity of Califraxis's grave. It's not as if... Um, it's not as if Castruccio Rivetti is... A friend of his, necessarily? No, it's mostly the young Califraxis thing, yeah. but... It's true. Uh, I'm pretty confident Brynn can bring him in, and certainly so, if she can't, she just dimension doors out and gets him again. Yeah, let's, let's say... A day. Yeah, given that Brynn's amount of dimension doors, let's say we unhook the wagon, yep. um, I pick up Kistarusio Rivetti wrapped in whatever we've been carrying him in, yep. um, and Brynn dimension doors us and Windchaser into the, into the grove. Yep. And we just leave the wagon behind because, you know, to be honest, once we drop a Rivetti off, we pro- we may not even... We, we might haul it back out. Yep. It's not a huge price. To be honest, I think probably haul it out rather than leave your trash. Yeah, the, yeah, I was thinking in the that... We'll, druid woods. Yeah, we'll take it out because otherwise we're just littering. It's not that it's valuable to you, it's that um, people might take offence otherwise. All right. And so what you have here is this beautiful, clear grove. It's unnatural in a way. The grass does not grow high and ragged. It looks not neatly trimmed like it has been mown, but like it has been cared for and tended to. Flowers are growing, and it makes this perfect circle in the woods. Yet, despite the odd appearance, nothing about it feels unnatural. It feels very still and peaceful here. Um... And in here there are two large, heavy clay stones that make up headstones. Um, One of which reads Cassiopeia Erevetti. And the date of her death, which is about exactly what you would think it to be. I can work it out specifically, but it's um it's it's around forty seven seventy six or seventy five seventy six. Yep. Um so when Bryn was about eight kind of thing. So but it's very much in the ilk of the date the dates yep. you are thinking. Um mm, that's brutal. Um alright, so Cassiopeia Rivetti, born such and such. Um Died forty seven seventy six. Uh, she was an elf, so she is reasonably uh, so old. Yeah. Two hundred years. Yeah. Um, died forty seven. Died forty seven. What days? Forty six seventy six. Um, and it reads Cassiopeia. Cassiopeia Erebeti, beloved wife, beloved mother. I will never forget you. With never underlined. And this has obviously been carved with a tool of some kind, as opposed to just with a bare finger in the clay, but it very much looks relatively simple, like somebody has taken a chisel and just carved it hard with a thick, heavy hand into the clay, and somebody who looks like they have not put... It's not that they haven't put a great deal of care into it. It's that they have done it, you think, in a very disturbed emotional state. 
Like, it's not precise, it's mm. not neat. He hasn't made 30 copies of this and then put the best one up. He's just put the stone... Sl- he's made the stone slab, carved in what has come to his mind, the heavy and grief-stricken hand. The second grave next to it reads Brunhilde Eravetti. Ah, uh, he thought she'd died? Presumably. Oh. Um... Date exactly the same. Um, and underneath it, it reads, No father should ever have to bury their child. Ooh. The two grave markers are basically right on top of each other. And based on what you know of this, um, presumably Cassiopeia's body is actually buried in here. Yeah. As far as you would guess, there is nothing in Bryn's grave. Yeah. Eravetti has merely presumed that she is dead. Yeah. And, frankly, God knows what. And, and put a marker up for her to acknowledge her presumed death. Yeah. Uh, the third grave is set about a metre off from this. Um, and is in... Uh, Yeah, that is uh, 47.07, so nearly 30-odd years later. Um, it reads Califraxis. Um, this one is done in a fine, machine-like hand, almost inhuman in its precision. Every letter is identically sized to the one next to it, to yeah. a millimeter. It is set precisely and firmly and reads very precisely Califraxis, and then there is this lengthy string of names, uh, ending with Redhorn, because of course he's a gnome. No, yeah. We've got like 13 different names. Yeah. Um, and underneath it reads in, again, in that precise type machine printed effectively. Um, it reads, a dear, uh, a, excuse me, a dear friend and a hero of Pytax. Though we once, though, though we have disagreed, I will remember to miss you. Oh. And based on his dates of birth, he was going towards 300 years old. Yeah. So this might, his may well have been natural causes or something similar? Yeah, certainly. Um, it, nothing you have found suggests that Erebedi remotely murdered Califraxis. Yeah. It's, um, so the sequence of events is once Cassiopeia dies, uh, Califraxis later parts ways with Erebedi. Um Possibly based off him becoming the clockwork. Yeah, king, yeah. Which I is mean, kind of an unnatural, hideous abomination. And, you know, both as a druid and as a friend, he might not be cool with, you know, and then you cut out your heart and became a clockwork abomination. You know, perhaps grief counselling was the way to go here, as opposed to that. Um, and the last thing it reads is, by his final request... 
let these graves remain undisturbed. And Rin looks round um, and look goes down, looks at the grave, sort of looks at the tracks around the area, looks at this, moves to Califrax's grave, moves to her mother's and her own and glances at them for a moment and then moves on very rapidly as if she's just not up to that yet. Yeah, not, not to deal with moves that. Moves over to Califrax's, looks at it, she says, no sign of tracks, no smell of oil here. If the clockwork king came back here, he hasn't done so in months, maybe years, any further back than that and I couldn't read. Califraxis must have must have known this is druidic magic. He must have set it up as he was fading. I wonder if he bleached. That makes sense. I knew his time was coming. Wanted to be with her. And in Uruveti would have fulfilled his final request buried him and the like. You can, you can see that that tombstone was the clockwork king, aye. So, Eravetti has clearly been here, yeah. buried him, and then left. Yeah. And obviously hasn't been um, sufficiently molested by man-eating trees or what have you. Yeah. But it's possible the man-eating trees weren't here when he did it, and they have come after the fact. It's also possible new man-eating trees have turned up and he killed the original man-eating trees? Yes, yes. But I mean, it, it, you know, it fits with Bryn's assessment of what a druid might put around to protect their grave and their yeah. grove kind of thing. Yeah. Alright. Well, we need to bury him in that, but doesn't seem to be anything coming in or attacking like... Do you want to take a little bit of time off? She goes over and she... Caelan will at this point put her Raviti down and stand near Bryn but kind of let her kind of go forward and make her she goes over and looks at her own grave and kneels down over it and puts a hand deep, fairly deep, fist deep into the dirt and just kind of rummages around in there. He must have thought I'd been taken, eaten by wild animals, maybe. Likeliest thing to have happened to a child in the woods. If it had been something fiercer than a wolf, less caring than wolves, an albear, dragons, and galarian anything, I suppose he thought I was dead. Makes sense. He wouldn't have looked because he wouldn't have known. Until many years later. Maybe even then he didn't know. Maybe I just 
reminded him of her? Nay, I think he knew in the end, but he didn't know any more how to be a father to you. He had lost that part of himself by then. He wanted to take care of you and make sure you were safe, but he didn't know how to do that anymore. Eight years old. It's not so old for a half-elf. Nay. I remember... little snippets of song. faint smell like old used up oil something in the woods moving unseen a woman shouts Father and mother both. Kale will move up and put a hand on your shoulder. I don't remember them. Foolish to miss them. But once there was a young man, an older woman. They had a little girl, and they loved her very much. wasn't right what happened to him. What happened to her? Her. Um, somebody brought this harm to my back. She scratches deep into the ground over her grave. We can try and find out who doesn't matter anymore. She looks over at him. Whoever is responsible for that. She clangs on his metal armor a couple of times. He took the next steps himself. Aye. He should have made a proper search for you been sure you were dead before he gave up. And he shouldn't have done what he did to himself. Grief crazed or no. I don't know what I'd do if I lost you and the kids, but I'd be damn sure that they were gone too before I did anything stupid. And she puts a hand on the back of your head, stroking your hair, but quite possessively and grippingly. She says, I know what you would do. I'll tell you what you would do. You would mourn and you would grieve us. You would miss us. If there was any chance of finding us or rescue, you would look. But if you could not and we were gone, then you would grieve and move on and love again. That is what you will do. Wolves do not live so long. I have buried most all of my pack. That is life. 
It ends. Grief hurts, but we live. Aye. Life goes on, and Kaelin will kiss her. She will kiss you as well. Not passionately, but sadly. And Kaelin will look down at the grave of Cassiopeia. She made it out okay. I know you wanted her to, and she did. It wasn't so easy for her, but she made it out okay. We have a good life. You've got that, I think. He got a bit lost. But he's found his way back to you in the end. Did I am for asthma. Help Castrus to find his wife and to move on. It didn't be forgiven for mistakes he made in life. And she leans down over Cassiopeia's grave. Wish I'd known you, mother. You brought me life. Made me part of who I am. Whatever you did that night in the woods, you saved me. It was enough. You brought me him, and she squeezes your hand. You brought me life. It was worth it. And then she turns to you, takes a breath, and then just goes quietly over and gets the shovels. And And Caelan will join her and we'll start digging. And you basically dig a grave down, I assume, kind of next to it, so you've got Castruccio Cassiopeia. Yeah, we'll put him in next to Cassiopeia. Then you put him in the ground, cover him up, and then Bryn leans down over the grave again. I wish I could have known the man before he became the clockwork king. I wish you hadn't done what you'd done. I wish, like Tristan wanted, we'd found another way. But wishes do not fill hungry bellies. We live in the world that is. My father has been dead for a long time. I'm glad at least that I get the chance to bury him. And Caitlin will look down at the grave. We were enemies, but we were good enemies. You were always honorable. It's true to your word. I don't know what it is that you were scared of. I can only promise you that I'll do my best. For her. For for everyone. Rest in peace. I've spared you eternity, 
And I think in that I've done you well. I don't think... I don't think it was the right thing what you did. I don't think you thought through. I hope you can move on. Find your way back to her. Oh, I wish too I could have known you before. I wish you could have been proud of her. Or she grew up to be. Brynn will come and stroke your back gently and sort of nuzzle into your chest. I'm not a proper holy one like Father Bravia. Like John, like Corwin. But Aurora believes in strength and mastery. And Gestrucio, my father, and the clockwork king both had that in spades. He was still alive. He still had a soul. It will go on where it is supposed to be. Even one like me knows that. No, I will briefly pat Winchester on the side and walk up to um, Calafratis' grave while we're here. Yep. I'm really sorry I didn't meet you. I think you were an awesome person. Thank you for the legacy that you left behind. It's been an honour to meet some of your friends. Bryn will go over to her own grave and very much with her fingers because she is more than strong enough to do this she erases the date of her death yeah leaves the rest of the message and then carves underneath it I live a sacrifice well worth it sweet so Kaelin is going to get a big stone, Mm -hmm. if necessary, by borrowing some more of Bryn's dimension doors to get us out and back in. And um, then he is going to carve um, Castruccio Rovetti, and then underneath it, the Clockwork King. Um, Date of birth, date of death. I should be able to know date of birth. Absolutely. Yep, date of death. Uh, He is 88 a couple of years ago, so he's now probably... Yeah. Around that. Yeah. Beloved husband, beloved king, absent father. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Missed by many, mourned by few. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. That's a nice ambiguous message. It's very fitting. Yeah, and then and I. And you will... did right, because that was what his funeral was. Yeah. And then I will finish a good friend and a better enemy. <laughs> and we, I think at that point, we will leave that there. Yep. And she takes you again, steps out, back out of the circle and says, Woods don't feel so ominous. Safe to camp here if we need to, or we can just move on. Glad I came. I needed the closure. <laughs> and she falls into your chest. Yeah, Caitlin, we'll just fall. And 
for the first time in a long time, possibly the first time you've ever seen her do so, she cries very softly and quietly muffled into your chest. Then I think, let's get out of here. We'll make camp on the edge of the woods. This place doesn't like me very much, and I want to be somewhere where we can rest tonight. I heard your words, says Windstrider. Califraxis will be proud. Thanks for coming with us and carrying him. It will get you to take the wagon back out, and then we can all three of us rest tonight. There is but one king in the Stolten Lands now. Huh? I... I hope it doesn't come back to bite me. And he rides out, and he is in fact dead right at this point. Um, the bit that is the Stolen Lands, minus several bits you've carved off the side, now yeah. belongs entirely to you. Yeah. The other bits are not the Stolen Lands, because they, are from, they have been given to other kingdoms. Yeah. So, perhaps to put it another way, the bits that have been temporarily defined over the last hundred odd years as the Stolen Lands yeah. now belong entirely to Stagthorn and Caelan. Yeah. I have paid a high price. Peace always comes with a high price. King understood, respected, saluted. Fair enough. I just wanted to see it. Fair enough. Alright. The floor is yours at this point. Alright, so um, at this point, Bryn, Windchaser, and I um, ride. Uh, um, you know, Windchaser pulls the wagon, and the two of us walk, and um, we move out to the edge of Thousand Voices Forest yep. and spend the night camping there. Yep. Which, um, between rest and a bit of Bryn's lovely chi-blocking, if we're unmolested in the night, brings Caelan Black up to his full hit point total. Because his, um, he was pretty badly hurt and then drank a lot of potions to restore himself. Uh, you are not, in fact, completely unmolested in the night here. Oh, yeah? Um, this is outside of the... the your, your presumption would be that this is probably outside of the ter- territory that Iroveti regularly had patrol. Yeah. Um, but what you are attacked by is effectively some, some more random woods animals of CR2. Yeah. Whom you obliterate into the ground. Yeah. But the point there is not this is hard and disturbed your rest. The point there is that... Um, these are the wild lands that Erebeti either deliberately or unintentionally didn't civilise, yep. didn't patrol. Alright, and yes, um, we rest, fight off some wild animals, rest some more, at a thousand, oh, the edge of Thousand Voices Forest, and then um, we turn for home at that point. Yep. It is, um, our mission was to deliver Erebeti's body. We still have a bunch of terrain to explore, but everybody's tired. This is actually Caelan hasn't had a kingdom turn this month. Yep. This is the um, this is what we've been doing as an uh, effectively an emergency mission in La Nusha. And nine years later, the kingdom is yours. Stolen lands are yours. 
have I been um, ruling them for nine la- nine years now? Have I? Uh, depending when it, I don't think it's ticked over quite yet. But yeah. it was, it's forty seven twenty two to twenty three now. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, forty seven thirteen is yep. when you came down to clear out bandits and ah, find yeah. the stag lord and things. Yeah. Your first year of your kingdom starts. Um, Eridus forty seven fourteen. Ah, yep. Uh, where the first thing you did was have a conversation with Svetlana about how, whether her husband was heading it or not. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> then met Lillian Mavashti. Yeah. Then Tobias was born. So Tobias is a year younger than your kingdom, basically, because yep. you had that year of peace in the intervening. Yeah. Then Hagrolka appeared. Yes. <laughs> then you went to the first world for yep. the first time. Yep. Broke up with Lillian, and that's about where the podcast starts. Yep. Yeah, I, I think it starts with that fascinating diversion into the first world. Yeah, so yeah. Four okay. episodes or so. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, you failed that save. I guess you're in another plane of reality now. Yeah. Let's keep dreaming. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was one thing um, Bryn wanted to say, or was still vaguely on that scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, she will say to you, probably the next morning, after she's had some time to think about yeah. it, she puts her hand on your back again and strokes it, and she says, I have a better idea now why you tried so hard without us. I have had better luck of the two of us with fathers. But that's one of the things about getting married. As your father-in-law, the old man's not the not the warmest sort, but he's part of our pack. And there's a lot that we can still learn from him. It's something I, something I learned from you. Is that there's a lot to be said for having a lot of people around you, having a good strong pack. <laughs> We've got you and me. And Tristram and Varn and Eldis, Svetlana and Tobias, and Brandon Micah. It's a pretty good pack. Alright. And the floor is yours. Yep, so we travel back. We travel back to. The outskirts of Pytaxia. Yep. Um, return the wagon, travel through Mivon. Yep. And head back up for home. Yeah, no problem. I would presume the guards we brought down with us were already sent back when we set off into the woods. Makes certain sense. It's not like anyone's terribly worried about what's going to happen to you out here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I routinely tool around here with uh, just one other person. And so, yeah, we take a boat up the river. Yep. Move on river, head back into head back into Stagthorn, head back to Altress. And you were home to a new era of peace. Yep. And at this time, yep. I would like to get a pencil, mark off some um, days of travel, and have a kingdom turn. Sure. 13th to the 19th of Lamashan is the um, kingdom turn. Yep. And that will pretty much be 
I'll have a kingdom turn, deal with anything that happens in the month, and then not go exploring, because that's pretty much been my exploring. Yep. Now, just so that I can get rid of a few bits of paper here, um, we probably no longer need stats for the Clockwork Dragon, the Clockwork Copy. Um, I might keep a Rivetti himself, because that comes up periodically, but I probably don't need all his gear. Yeah, I have um, treasure divided his gear, so we don't need his gear anymore. Cool. We don't need the armies. All good. Cool. Right. Some bits of paper with what Kellen was going to do when he finally made it back to Elstrist. We had a penalty to next economy check because we had major storms. Yep. So crops and things were a bit damaged. Blimey. Rustaline paid me 76. <laughs> made an impressive amount of tribute for Pytaxia. Yep. Which is fair because I did give her a um, giant city. Well, I think that's your chunk of what was in the truth. Ah, uh, yes, that In the treasury, effectively. Which she basically gave you the vast majority of. Yeah, yeah, on the basis that um, she, she was got... getting the city. Yeah. And, you know, she's just kind of going to run it at a loss for a while. Yeah, yeah. Because she's got a larger kingdom that she can um, fund it from. Yeah. Yep, so that would be 122 build points in the treasury. At least, and four points of unrest because um, it was a bit of an energetic month. Huh? A very, bit of an energetic couple of months. Huh? All right. So, shall we do a kingdom turn? Yes, indeed. A roll for stability. If you remember how to do this, it's been a um, lengthy. Um, it's been a while. I believe roll for stability. Yes, roll for stability. Cool. All right. Well, that was a poor number. Ouch. Um. It's plus five is one forty-one. Yep. I not only fail it, I fail by five or more. Uh-huh. It's time for the infamous the four unrest. Ow. The D4 says one. Oh, well, that was uh, less threatening. Still, that's five points of unrest, which is, you know, a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was actually even higher, and I pulled it down to four. Okay. Possibly it's time to set your own royal enforcer. Yeah. Alright. Possibly it's time to build the jail of Lakeview. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Um, pay consumption. Next step is pay consumption. Yep. Then fill vacant magic item slots. Yep. I've got one vacant magic item slot. And that's a medium one now. Yep. Uh, it is a. Plus three, composite longbow. Ooh. Also, uh, also plus three. 
plus three composite longbow. Plus three longbow. magic weapons composite longbow that has plus a plus three, three strength pull on it. Cool. What's how interested is um, Tristram and or Svetlana in it? Uh, Tristan, not in the slightest. He likes his short bow. So oh yes, of course. So shoot off horses. Shoot off horses. Okay. Um, yeah, to, to be honest, it's probably um, most people have kind of outclassed it. Michaela might or might not like it. Um, it sounds like a lot of money for Michaela to spend on a bow. It's only like 9k at the moment, price. The better composite than my bow. Yeah, if you don't want it, um, Michaela will remove it from your magic item slots. I would be very happy for Michaela to have it. Svetlana does not her um, holy long bow. Is yeah, yeah, much more her thing. Yep, Michaela can buy that. I also have a um, plus three rapier in the treasury, Is Swit- in the pile of magic items. Is Svetlana interested in it? To be honest, she probably is not. She has a rapier, but um, the last time she pulled it out was a good while ago, and she's not the same. She she needs it as badly as Michaela needs the composite longbow, and that it's a good, cheap backup weapon, but Svetlana is not that sort of person. She doesn't plan meticulously for every contingency. That makes sense. Cool. All right, we'll flag that one as not interested as well. Um, and at that point, I'm going to... Um, Clear the wand of bears endurance from the top slot. Yep. Have two spaces. You may use Huxley to modify your unrest if you choose. I do not want to. As I have a huge amount of money in the Kingdom Treasury, I'm going to solve this problem by building things. You may assign your leadership if you'd like to change your council around a bit. Uh, I think we're actually pretty good for the moment. So um, last turn we got some unrest from picking up Leon as our new treasurer. But... um, you know, we're we're probably pretty good to just leave. And, um, of course, um, Akora took back over in the um, Viceroy slot from Deneed because yep. we hit time of peace. But um, everyone is um, probably pretty good where they are at this time. You may claim it abandoned hexes. Build terrain and do things. So, Kaelin has a slightly exuberant spending month. Yep. And in fact, um, now that I have done my final math, possibly a slightly too exuberant building month. Still big. He's still in the positive, so that's all good. He's got A money in the treasury for um, collecting taxes. Um, so he um, celebrates um, no longer being at war with um, Pytax by building a farm in G10 of um, the Hooktown Slough. Yep. That would be one of the wyvern, the one of the ones the wyvern burned down that's never been rebuilt. A farm of peace. Yep. He claims in the Hooktown Slough E8 and F8, both undifferentiated swarm hexes that used to have monsters in them. Yep. And he puts roads in both of them at hideous expense. Because they are both swamp hexes with rivers in them. Yep. At hideous expense. This is a really cool road. Like, um... It's kind of a, um... Sort of like it's a... Um, it's actually built up out of the swamp. So it's less a bridge... It, it's less got bridges and more it is a bridge. It's, yeah, it's a giant series of bridges. Yeah. So I'm... Roading from Fort Drelev back into Elk's Rest. There's a forest road in Elk's Rest that connects down to uh, the point. Yep, yep. So you're going to road all the way through the swamp. Yeah, so I'm going to have a log. I've managed to make it out of the swamp. I only need to connect a couple of claim and connect a couple of road hexes, and I'll actually have a um, 
are they an um, alternate road route? Are they as expensive and then as expensive again to road through rivers and swamps? Are they? Well, swamps one of the more expensive road types to road through, and then you double the cost of the road because you're putting in a bridge, which isn't so bad if it's a grassland hex, but gets it and really cheap to road, but it gets a bit painful. And when you do two of them, even more expensive. But he was not done spending money, because then he put a guild hall in Alcestrest and a cathedral in Alcestrest. So I want to talk a little bit about the cathedral. Sure. So rather than replace the Temple of the Elk with the cathedral and put in a separate temple, what I've done instead is kept the Temple of the Elk and put in a new cathedral on the understanding that the cathedral is actually to multiple religions, not to a specific deity. Yeah. So what we've done is rather than... Because in um, uh, Fort Draylev, we built a very gorum cathedral that was 90% Gorum, because yeah. that's what they asked for. What we've done here is built a cathedral that is more dedicated to De- Aristotle than other deities, but only somewhat. So it's kind of like a Temple of the Many yeah, style sense. thing, like in Corvosa, but with a bit of a heavier Deadeye focus, because he is the deity of the kingdom. So, you know, he has the big central shrine, and then there's, like, little shrines to a whole bunch of other good or neutral aligned deities dotted around, the, that people commonly worship dotted around the cathedral, and then, you know, like, the tiny ones, the deities people don't worship so much, like Saren Ray and Shailen. Yeah. Neither of whom are big here out the back. But yes, we build a cathedral. And we build another guild hall. So I know what those give me. And um, at this point my unrest plummets plummets to zero. And um, I get a couple of new magic medium item slots in Elk's Rest and a bunch of loyalty and economy bonuses and stuff. Um, The other thing that I theoretically get is that it halves the cost of my promotions. Yeah. Is that every time I build one or just the first time I build one? Uh, Your cathedral? Yeah. Uh, No, it's when you have a cathedral period. So more cathedrals don't continue to half the cost of promotions. Correct. Cool. Also, you'd very rapidly hit the point where it wasn't actually providing you a return. I suppose eventually, if it's the indeed, it'd be round down. Yeah, well, the thing is, it would drop my consumption by two, which is um, certainly a return I'd be interested in, but I think it's perfectly valid to say the first cathedral gets you the benefit, more cathedrals yeah, continue no, yeah. to give you the benefit, but don't give you Correct. a double Pe- benefit. People come here because of your superior religious culture. Yeah. But you cannot um, generate an indefinite number of people out of it. Yeah, that's fine. Cool, so that's, um, but it is, does mean I'm effectively keeping my promise to primarily Tyrion Domestic, but also various people to have a cathedral in the city that wasn't a heavily Gorham-focused one, and was a much more Deadeye-focused one. So that is a thing that I finally do. Makes sense. And then collect taxes. Yes, indeed. And Kaelin rolls a nice big number. Which is, I roll a nice big number for Kaelin, which is really what we needed here. Um, so, and then I subtract two from it because of the storms. Which still beats the DC. Now, I have a suspicion 
Yep. That you are screwing yourself on your roads, um, which is what I'm just flipping through rules to look at. Okay. So, I don't think you need to... Um, the hex contains any rivers double the listed cost to reflect the need to build bridges. Yeah, but every marsh hex contains rivers. Right. Because they that's what makes it a marsh. Okay. Um, I would probably charge you that if you wanted to, like, roam through... Um, there's like one or two hexes where you could theoretically go from one side of Lake Hook Tongue to the other. Yeah. Because at that point you genuinely need a giant bridge. Yeah. But the road cost for marshes is already high because you are having to pay for far more complex roads. Right. So I don't think you then I don't think you need bridges cool. in a marsh hex. Cool. I will actually write that on the rules sheet. Unless you have a marsh hex that very specifically has a huge ass river running through it, which yeah. none of Fort Dray lives do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not um it's not like I'm deliberately roading through swamps, but there's if you want to cross the um yeah. lower area of uh, Fort Drayland there just isn't another way through. It was originally intended to speed up troop movement because um, at present they have to hike right over the top if they yep. want to go by yep. road. Wars when everything gets built. Yeah, but it's now um, going to be serving other purposes. I'm loosely contemplating putting a new settlement in, in the Keep of Flowers hex yep. on the basis that I'm tired of people colonising that at with their armies and things like that. And also, you know, we've had some time since the various incidents... And it might be time to actually do something with those archaeological sites before they get wrecked again. But um, at the moment, I'm just connecting it via roads. Although, now that we're in peacetime, building a settlement's a slightly less scary prospect. In any case, that's that's what I do for my kingdom turn. We embark on some massive projects, then we collect a big pile of taxes and the treasury blossoms. For Wales? Finally build the cathedral in Alpsris. And I've got to say, if you um, build a lot of those two and four point hex buildings, your second square city fills up quite fast. <laughs> oh, and I built a house in um, Alpsris to pay for my guild hall. But, you know, it wasn't really much of a thing. No, um... Because when you build a cathedral, you lose four points of unrest. So. Yeah. That pretty much dealt to that. But yes, the um, bonus health helped too. But that was the other Okay, and then you're on to events, aren't you? Yes, I'm just gonna tick off the things on my plan build list that I have now built because otherwise I get myself horribly confused and start putting away my current huge pile of city and kingdom sheets and yes kingdom events occur yeah so there's a few little different ones happening here in no particularly compelling order. Um, Do you want me to decide at random or just arbitrarily start with the... I'll start with the most vaguely logical one. Yep, sounds good. Uh, your councillor, is that also the one who would bring this to you? Christopher Rossi, is it? Yes, it is Christopher Rossi. 
also, he has come to speak with you um, in a completely non-urgent fashion, just on his generally assigned meeting duties, like yep. once every several days. Yeah, because, I mean, it's explicitly his job to come and tell me about... I mean, all my counsellors talk to me about what's going on. Yes. But it's explicitly his job to do so regularly because he's supposed to be bringing me the concerns of the people. So this is just his regular concerns of the people meeting? Yep. And so he is sitting down having his regular concerns of the people meeting. Yeah. Um... I love your little sword. <laughs> Character. What <laughs> motif things. Your Majesty, all goes well within the kingdom. I have no ill news to report. <laughs> I would, um, hope, I can understand if people are still a bit uh, startled by the um, sudden breakout of peace all over the place, but uh, I would hope it's a welcome change. You... You have heard my previous reports on the worries we have had. One might hope that with the firm defeat now of Castruccio Rivetti, that such would be put to rest, that Pytax was about to obliterate us at any moment. But my experience, my lord, is that a person is sensible. People are fools. (laughs) In a large enough group, they begin to worry about anything. Concerns have changed that if not Pytax, to wipe us out. Well, you have heard many of these things before, that we have given too much land to Mavoy, that their forces are too great, that Stagthorn is becoming enough of a threat, that Dagomark will move against us, that the king will fall. Rumours upon rumours, frankly, I'm not certain the people know quite what to do with peace. The new cathedral should help once it's completed, because I'm talking to you in the middle of the yeah. month and we still have that unrest period, and I'm talking yeah. to you about the unrest we're having and yeah. why. Um, yeah. I, would suge- I would suggest that we do something when we can to put an official marker of sorts into the, into the end of the war and the outbreak of peace, give people some firm stability... There are a great many things we could do. Advance a festival, uh, establish some manner of monument or a building dedicated to our victory, something in that neighbourhood. Um, and as he says this, there is a knock at the door um, and Christopher Rossi does not look around as if he does not hear it in any way. You realise a moment later that you're hearing it in your head with that faint um, sensation. Uh, Titania wants to walk in in the middle of your meeting, effectively, and is, is basically knocking in your brain. Yeah. Uh, I believe we have a... Um, because Christopher Rossi knows exactly who she is. Yes. Um, I believe there's someone who'd um, like to venture an opinion on that, if you've no objection. He, he looks slightly confused. And I mentally assent. Yep. And the physical door over there in the side of the room opens that just leads into sort of one of your side rooms. And Titania herself steps out, wreathed in a lovely dress now made of flowers. And <clears throat> Rossi sort of blinks a couple of times, you know, swallows slightly, and then shows really no more than that. Yeah. And Titania. Among other things, she did say she did save his life. You know, he's seen her before, although perhaps that's not the re- most reassuring memory. Titania will come across, sit down at the table, and 
after just the briefest moment to regain his equilibrium, because Crystal Rossi's pretty good at this, yeah. he reaches across, takes her hand, kisses it, um, and says, I should very much like to thank you for your services in Vorticai's tomb. Without it, I hate to think... I would like to thank you personally for your services in Vorticai's tomb. Without it, I would hate to think how many people we have lost. Is there a proper form of address I should use, milady? He says, and his eyes dart very slightly towards Caitlin. Lady Nerissa, and she waves her hand. No, that is an old name. Titania will do fine. I do not require... I do not require your fidelity as a queen or your worship as a deity. I merely heard words that I wish to speak upon. And Rossi sort of thinks about this for a minute. As you wish, uh, a lady Titania. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. goes for sort of the generic yeah. form of address for somebody who's his vague noble superior. Yeah. Caitlin deliberately calls her lady rather than Titania. Yeah. Because um, Caitlin's not super wild about saying that too many times. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he definitely... He offers her the respect he would somebody else's deity. And she... I do not mean to intrude on your day-to-day business of your kingdom, but I am taken with what Councillor Rossi had to say. Such a... The threat of Pytax has loomed over this kingdom in some fashion or another since its inception, since it was but a village, perhaps even since it was but a dream in your head before the stag lord was defeated. It's true enough that the threat of pipe tax was why this kingdom was originally founded. Bravoy feared that Castruzio Ravetti would return to conquering. I think it would be right to have some manner of ceremony, whatever you think would best suit your people, a festival, a dedication of some kind, some formal occasion to mark the transition of one age into another. I think a festival would be appropriate. The, um, let's see, what time of year is it? Uh, we're in... Uh, autumn. autumn. You're in, in there, so you're autumn heading towards winter. Um, so let's say arbitrarily that we have a um, sort of harvest festival around this time. Yeah. Um, so that um, it might be a um, good thing to do with a harvest festival as we head into winter. Um, I guess, I mean, possibly even spring would be a more appropriate time, but to celebrate that I suppose that we've gathered in the crops and reached a kind of safe harbour. That for the moment, everyone is safe. And together we can keep it so. You think in the river kingdoms of all places... It's well worth celebrating peace while we've got it. I hope 
that this I hope that this peace shall last forever. I foresee I I do not have any I, I have no talent to foresee, but I see your kingdom as it stands, and I see no threat to your borders beyond one beyond one, she says, and that will not come for a few months yet. Well, a few months would be very welcome. I don't know that peace is something that... Uh, peace for long periods is something that it, my life has ever held, nor this kingdom has ever experienced, but we've had some good years where nobody was attacking, and I'd certainly like to see more of the same. The The... Decisions of the decisions of the festival shall be yours, of course. I, if you have no objection, she says. And between one breath and the next, there is a random, if extraordinarily attractive, peasant girl sitting at the table, and just sort of a vague peasant smock, yeah. long hair that is dark, bordering on green, but not um, freakishly so. Um, if you have no objection to my attendance. Nay, lady, you've um, saved our bacon on any number of occasions, and um, I think we'd be very glad to have you. I will leave you to your. I will leave you to your discussions of the day to days in a moment. But there is something I would have you see from the house. There is something I would have you see from the house of forgotten time in the fable. And she gestures to the random side door again. If you will excuse us for a moment, Councillor Bossy. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm in so far over my head here. Yeah. Uh, be back short. Be back shortly. And Caitlin evaporates. <laughs> that must be super reassuring. <laughs> well, no. From his point of view, she goes over, opens the door, it leads somewhere else entirely. He steps through it. The door shuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you are in the house. Yeah, but you know, like. And Kellen's gone, gone. <laughs> yeah, because I don't normally do these yeah. um, Batman vanishes where there are other people in the room, or at least not conscious people. Yeah. Uh, as before, every window is now open, um, and the one she takes you towards shows you the vague areas around Fort Trelev. Yeah. Um, and she says, you hear the people of the land more easily than I do. You hear the people of our land more easily than I do. But I hear the land itself. Something is stirring. And she gestures and the window sort of changes, zooms out over Lake Hooktongue. There is an old and ancient creature slumbering here. It is stirring far more lightly. Soon, as you reckon such things, it will wake. Uh, which is doubtless referring to um, old hook no, Yes, I there's, knew there's it was. There's a giant sea monster thing living under the air. I knew it was. I knew it was in there. I knew it woke up periodically. And Titania is basically warning you, to the best extent that she can foretell this, that she senses disturbance in the force. Essentially, yeah. Um, that at some point in the next probably several months. Um, which, you know, she explains this as best she can, that I sense a, a disturbance to peace that could be. Lives lost, 
screaming. It is not strong, but it is an echo that is there. It could be tomorrow. It could be a year from now. More likely, it is something in between. Um, and she basically tells you that at some point in the next several months, um, old Hooktongue himself is going to awaken and more or less probably rampage out of the sea, kaiju style. Yeah. Less out of any, as far as she can assess, malevolent desire to kill everyone and more just, it's a kaiju. Yeah, it, it's a big, big sea monster. When it wakes up, it needs to eat a lot of things. Yeah. And it doesn't really care so much what, you know, people, fish, houses, whatever's available. And because it lives, like, right next to Fort Draylor. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. straight out on Fort Draylor. Yeah, yeah, the, the city is built on the lake. It, it was there when I got there. I didn't make that decision. <laughs> Um, and your effective... But in all fairness, Drelev didn't really do anything about the lake except put a city next to it, whereas I've not only put a city next to it, but we've got fisheries and stuff. Yeah, and, and in fairness, um, in, in one of the few defences of Drelev that actually could be made, um, there's been no evidence that Old Hook Tank exists as anything more than a myth. Even yeah. Larissa can't show you a giant sea monster on the bottom of the lake. She yeah. really senses its, its presence. Yeah. Um, so Draylon is not a giant idiot for sitting up there. He's a giant idiot for other reasons. Yeah, yeah. But, um... Uh, yeah, that that will effectively be an army-sized yeah. combat. Yeah. Like, kind of like the Albear, but significantly bigger. Yeah. Which, uh... Titania doesn't mention this, um and probably doesn't even think about it, Tristan would probably think about it later, that it's very likely that um, Old old Hooktang exists because there's that same bleed of first world energies down there mutating the creature. Yeah. So that's why she can feel it, because it's partly, it's very partly a denizen of the first world at this point. Yeah, if if she hadn't been playing for another team, she could have, at the time, she could have warned me about the owlbear. Yeah. It... Hooktongue very partly belongs to her. Yeah. And then it's the same kind of creature that she is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's about what she wanted to tell you. Cool. Was, yes, I'd like a thing yeah. of some kind. Let's have an official peace thing. Yeah. Also, kaiju. Yeah. So, um, you know, basically at that point, Caleb will thank her for the warning. Yeah. Talk a little bit more to her and uh, politely and then leave. And, um, you know, um, we'll thank her for what she's done for this kingdom and yep. what she's made possible. Yep. Um, return to his office room. And, um, yep. and like, it's, it's only been yep. a couple of minutes. Rossi is just sitting there, quietly sitting there taking notes. Um, none of which appear to be anything about the kingdom anymore. <laughs> Looks up at you. You all well? I. She is a remarkable being, but a troubling ally <laughs> in uh, many ways. Everybody uh, thought we were um, completely mad to um, trust her, but they seem to be very antithetical. Undoubtedly, uh, she um, they didn't the, she um, didn't care well to him. He didn't care well to her. War and peace, machines and nature. She's not who I follow any taps as um, Aristilian Amulet, but she's been a very staunch ally 
and um, we owe her for that. Her interests and ours aren't exactly the same, but for the moment they seem to march along well enough. If I understand Lord Tristan correctly, she is not a goddess. A shadow of one, in part. As to what... I can say to some extent what she is what she is not. What she is is a harder question. The High Fae weren't gods as we understood them at the height of their power. That's just as good a word as any for them. But I find it easier to think of her as such because it's something I understand. And it doesn't hurt when she's akin to popping in and out to um, uh, remember to be respectful, like... She's not um, a stickler for such things, but it makes me more comfortable to mind my manners. And I have not. <laughs> and, uh, well, you know, there is that one fellow, fellow who decided her um, to... Uh, I, I, I don't know if you picked up on that one, but that one fellow who decided to summon uh, um, uh, um, the, the uh, Faye for a dance, um, she very kindly obliged me in ensuring you survived the experience, but it was by no means a sure thing. <laughs> I do not think quite as intent, but when one is holding a tiger by the tail, even one that is tame and friendly, there's <laughs> always an experience to tweak it. Yes, the um, I think it um, it all worked out. He learned a valuable lesson <laughs> that will serve him well in his um, lifespan that continue, given that he continues to have one and all. That's right, because he summoned the closest attractive fact. Yep. Like, you're psychically linked. Oh, God. <laughs> Titania appeared. And then Caelan had a, um, after he hadn't turned up after an hour or so, Caelan went and had a private conversation well, with her and asked her if it would be okay. What did, how did she feel about him surviving that experience? And she said, I am not likely to be summoned. Does this really mean something to you? Yeah. It would be it would be cool if you would. Okay, fine. Yeah, the the whole bugger was kind of expecting to whistle up like a nice dryad or a nixie or something. Yeah, yes, but he, but open-ended summoning spells. Yes, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's a valuable experience that will serve him well before he does it again. And in terms of what you do um, for your festival of peace or what have you, um, Titania has no real. Um, she has an investment in the concept, she doesn't have any investment in the execution. So effectively, um, if you throw a festival, it's covered under your existing festival, etc., etc. If you want to build a building and have the University of Peace or what have you, you can. If you just want to have a festival, we'll have some description and some um, visitors and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think... Um, I'd be... But that's entirely up to you as the player. Yeah, None I'd... of the NPCs are vested enough to push for anything. Yeah, I'd be happy to, like, next month build um, some kind of peace-oriented building, you know, something yep. that's about, um, that's non-military. And, and dedicated um, during the festival. Yeah, so I'm good for that as a concept. And then I think we'll make our Harvest Festival kind of a dual purpose thing if we are having a peaceful year at that point yep. we'll celebrate that we are well it's only next month yeah yeah so this year we'll any year yeah. that we're not at Cause, war because we'll it's literally that. like at this point it'll be a couple of weeks away so you're yeah. having the point where you're planning it yeah so we'll celebrate the fact that we have we are at peace and that'll be what we celebrate any given year that we are at peace <laughs> could I have uh, a name for it in some fashion let me think on that. 
I would like to call it the Safe Harbour Festival. Hopefully it's not the month we're attacked by the giant sea monster, but it's kind of the, you know, the ships are safe. Yeah, that would be ironic. But it, but it's kind of the uh, the ships are safe at the sea, you know, the harvest's brought in. Yeah. And nobody's currently trying to kill us. But Titania can't predict that one, both because A, she has ne- claims to have no skill yeah. with foretelling at all, beyond yeah. some fairly specific things. And B, um, it depends on what the GM rolled at random on his charts, which she can't see. Yeah. So I'll turn my two notes into a single note with information about that before next time, unless we actually get to next month's Kingdom turn this which I, tonight, which, which we won't. <laughs> Goldbanes. Yep. We can knock it off here, or we can do the other events. There's, they're, they're not big. They're only as big as that, but there's a few of them to go. Oh, cool. Well, let's keep going through a few little little ones. Um, so I'm just going to make some notes. Um. Then there are three more in no particularly compelling order. Shall I roll at random for them? Yep. Alright, so you are about your day-to-day business again. Um, when you receive a report from uh, Leanne, your page. Yep. Um, say, oh, um, there's a, a next one up, see, uh, Macanth, he's a centaur scout from, you, you have him assigned to look at one of the, look at one of the regions where the glass is growing strongly in Fort Trailer. Okay. That sounds, um, that sounds like something that I should be worried about if it's the one that I'm thinking of. Yeah, he hasn't shown up here, like, urgently kicking down yeah. doors by must-see the king. Yeah. But he has shown up. Yeah, because I had a scout previously come in and tell me that the um, stuff was moving faster. Yes. This is another scout coming to te- talk to me about the same area. Yes. Okay, alright, and I uh, have him come in. And a centaur, a centaur comes in, big bow strapped over his back, and tips his bowing is not really yeah. what they do with centaurs, but he tips his his torso forward slightly. It's inter- this is the um, first male centaur I've seen in the field. That's interesting. It's good. That, it's a good sign that they're actually um, have got some guys out there now. Yes, this is not the same scout that was out there previously, no. but you do. Yeah, no, rotate. No. Nothing should be read into that because they change in and out. All no, no, but it's um, it's the first male centaur NPC I've run across, so I'm taking that as a sign that the tribe's recovering slightly. Yeah. Your Majesty, I am Marcanth of the tribe of the tribes. Of the tribes of the Norman Heights. And I am... He, he looks around, you know, looking a little bit out of his depth here. I bring word, I bring word from my assigned scouting area. Uh, forgive me if this is not what I should be doing. It is... Uh, it has been some while since any of the male herd were risked in the field but it is deemed that it is now he twitches very slightly in what's clearly a slightly old cut it is deemed acceptable now (laughs) (laughs) 
Because that was the the deal wasn't that men couldn't fight or do this sort of thing. It's that men folk were too precious to do it. Yeah. So the ones they had, they were um, yeah, they were keeping. They were hanging on to. Whereas yeah. now they've actually let him go out and do yeah. what shouldn't be a terribly dangerous job, and indeed yeah. it appears largely unharmed. Yeah. But, um, I am I'm glad of it. What can you tell me about what's happening down there? I have been assigned to. Watch the glass grow. Aye. Yes. In some ways, it is hard to say that anything is occurring that is not the most uh, adventuresome of posts. It's, no, uh, no. Yeah, yeah. He's literally there watching glass grow. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aye, I imagine... Um, but I presume you're... Um, Keeping an eye on it day by day and week by week, not merely hour by hour. I... Some of my other scouts have told me that it seems to be going faster. Is that um, is that what you've seen as well? And faster again. Oh, yeah, that doesn't make good hearing, but I somehow had the feeling that that was what you were going to tell me. When I began my report, it was at my fork, he says in gestures to one of his horse knees. Now it is a fence, nearly waist high. So it's gone in a couple of weeks. Since if this if it continues I will be unable to penetrate its inner. I because eventually the fence will get too high for him to jump. Now I don't know what it means, but keep your watch and take care of yourself out there. And he um probably won't bring this directly to you because it's a little trivial for you but word will come back to you that basically he's requesting that you get like a human being out there as well so that if needs become someone can physically climb over the wall and climb down the other side like where's our we we must have a scout here who's a really good climber let's get him because the centaur ain't climbing that that'll give me some potion to spider climb so I think what we'll do is start assigning more people to yep. these watches, yep. even though it's boring. They can play cards or something, but we'll have a few more people out there. And um, just on similar notes, um, I'm going to pass along to the council that we have word that Old Hook Tongue will be on the move soon, and we're basically going to pass word to the people of Fort Drelev, and very specifically everyone who fishes like Hook Tongue, yep. that this might be a good few months to um, possibly not fish yeah, Lake Cook yeah. if, if the water starts stirring, get in. Get yeah. in now. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, if the, if there's anything else they could be doing instead of fishing hey, Lake Cooktown for a while, it might be time yeah. to do that. And if they are going to fish Lake Cooktown, they shouldn't go out very deep and they shouldn't go out very long yeah. and they should have a plan to go back in. This this is greeted with a slight air of incredulity, but not substantially. Yeah. You know, the giant kaiju monster down there is slightly unbelievable, but it's not ridiculously unbelievable. Yeah. The giant owl there that rampaged through your kingdom. Yeah. Um, and we do have an army in Fort Drelev. They are inactive, but if we get some warning that it's coming, we can activate them and defend the city. So yeah, reports on the glass. Yeah. Um, you get these from various places and collect them. The one in Drelev's is growing and fast. The other ones are growing, albeit substantively slower. Cool. That like they are now um, measurable in the sense that people no longer have to delve particularly deep into the earth to find the glass anymore. Yeah. 
So something is clearly occurring. Yeah, something is clearly occurring. But, um... Oh, there's a plot for book six. Yeah, yeah, we did, we did investigation on this the last time and we still don't have any idea what. Yep. So we still don't have any idea what, but we are more troubled. Okay, the second one. Yep. Alright. <laughs> well, that should be fun. Uh, where's this window. Can I borrow your um, green belt map? Uh, Do you want the one with the kingdom or the one with the land, the explored land? Uh, the kingdom. Sure. Uh, yep. It's just scene setting for what would be observable to Caleb versus what would reach you as a report after the fact. That's the kingdom. That's fine. Um, I don't know if you need to take any notes or anything. No, don't know what I wanted. Um, so the other one is you get word um, word reaches you of somebody coming in while you're just about your lunch. Yeah. Um, yeah this is being, you know, in his castle, just kind of chilling in because yeah. you know it's been we had a war and then a clockwork dragon attacked me and stuff. Yeah. So, Set on fire that one time. A soldier comes in, speaks to the people on duty. Um, you would recognise him, recognise the style of uniform as being... Uh, he's not a soldier per se, he's one of the guards in the Temple of the Elk. Yeah. Have guard, generally. Comes in, whispers to someone, he gets some nods, comes forward, whispers to you, and leans down and says to you, Your Majesty, uh, Priest, Priest Jod Kafkin requests your, requests your presence... And that re- request your presence and that of anyone you think it might be of aid at the Temple of the Elk. There is no violence, but uh, something strange has occurred. A slight collapse in the cathedral construction. No one is harmed. Sounds troubling. All right, um, and I'll go get Michaela and yep, head you actually down get there. Yeah, and you actually get part of this. Yeah, I pick Michaela yep. and head down there. Okay, and. He'll take you through. There's a fairly wide area that's been cleared by your by your watchman of you know sort of forty meters odd around this thing, and it's very obvious that one of the big ass stone blocks they're putting at the top of the cathedral has fallen somehow and gone wham off the top of the cathedral smack and has cracked and absolutely shattered some of the ancient stone that makes up the temple of the elk. Uh, nasty, but it doesn't look like there's blood all over the floor or anything like that, and. So you know that we're building the cathedral separate to the temple? Because we weren't... I, I said we were building the cathedral on a separate site. Is it in a separate hex? Yeah, it, it's in a separate area of the, the city. We were keeping the existing temple yep. and putting the new cathedral in, in a separate area of the city. Ah, uh, so it's not next door to it. It's not next door to it. Right. Um, it, it, there's no reason it can't be 
you know, nearish. No, no, that's that's fine. Yeah. Uh, in that case, um, a section of the Temple of the Elk has fallen down. Cool. Yep, that's a um, that's pretty significant. Yep. So the some of the ancient stonework has just collapsed. Um, they and Jod is there um, with his watchdog. Yeah. Which is still functioning. Cool. Apparently. Um, and. Oh, Galen, there you are. Uh, my people tell me there's something a little strange to see here, and I was hoping to get your opinion before it's all wrapped up. Uh, as you can see, he's in little gestures vaguely up to the area. We were borrowing some of the mason, some of the masonry, and some of the ceilings from the cathedral construction to seal up some of the old stonework. An accident: a, a reasonably large chunk fell, and he gesticulate something sort of the, the size of an extremely large man, the size of a horse, perhaps. Um, praise there still nobody was under it. Uh, at least we thought so. I had the stone pulled away, and my people tell me... Uh, well, your eyes better than mine, he says, and gestures you to it. Yeah, and Kaelin and Michaela walk forward and take a look. And... What you see is there are impact marks all over the stone. People have dragged the big stone blocks that have fallen away. Um, and there's no blood of any kind, but there is a shape there that is the outline that sort of looks like this. There's, there's some sort of... Let me start again. So, a block has fallen. Yeah. They have pulled it away, seen something strange and called you to come yeah. have a look. And what they see that is strange is there is the outline of a person under it where the block fell um, that looks like it is done in some sort of fluid. Uh, definitely not blood. It doesn't look like, say, an invisible person has been splattered by this, or this thing would just be a cataclysm with mm. blood and gore. But it's like somebody was there and they were crushed by this block, but there's no body and no giant piles of blood or anything like that. There's just this sort of outline of a person lying on the ground, a humanoid-esque figure, um, and an outline in some sort of goop. Okay, Kellen's going to crouch down, look more closely at the outline, and kind of poke it with a finger and try and figure out what what he's looking at here. What do you make of that, says Michaela? Uh, I confess I'm a bit baffled, lass. I'm kind of hoping you... Yeah, for starters, uh, give me a knowledge nature or survival check. Okay. I can do some survival type stuff. Uh, not, you know, per se well. Uh, Eleven. So... Certainly no, certainly no corpse has died here. No corpse, no real corpse was under it, or there would be blood everywhere. I was once a doctor. I wasn't. Uh, it's no blood. Nothing human was here. And she looks at it, makes a heel check, and goes, "Okay, this was not blood." Yeah. And there different. There wasn't any sort of creature under here. It would leave substantively more. 
debris, anything, flesh, blood, echoing. It's as if a shadow of an old something was here. And you bend down and look at it, and you put your finger in the stuff, sniff it. It's sap. Sap of what you struggle to identify. You are not an expert in this. But there's like an outline of a person drawn in sap here. As if they were just lying down on this particular area and the block has just gone splat on them. Um, and in fact, at that point, I will take a search check. Which will be good, eh? That's good, I'll try and aid her. And fail to aid her entirely. No, not as if they were lying down. Whatever figure, whatever outline this was, look. They've been crushed backwards by the block here. They, they were standing, facing this way, towards the door of the Temple of the Elk. Two steps down. Mm. That's what she gets from it. Like, it's as if there was a figure standing here and the block went and killed them. But it didn't, and there wasn't. And apparently if they were made of anything, it was sad. But again, you concur with Mikhail's assessment that an actual plant person wasn't killed here because then there would be sap and bark and bits everywhere. It's almost... It makes me think of Oberon. Is this where you met him first? Aye. I'm pretty confident. I can't remember. Yeah, no, it, it, it I, is. Yeah, yeah, it is, but I can't remember who was with you at that Yeah, point. yeah, no, I, I, I can't remember either. Yeah. I suspect probably Tristram. Voice of the editor here. So at this point, the rest of the audio has been corrupted for some unknown reason. There's about 20 minutes or so of missing play on the end here. Uh, they confirmed the spot where this strange shadow was was the same place where Oberon stood when he first met Caelan, clearing out the Temple of the Elk back in unrecorded book one. Meanwhile, Mab's tomb, where Caelan had taken Gatekeeper the sword from, uh, the hill that it was in had collapsed in on itself. Tristan looked at it and pondered that these might be spots in the River Kingdom where Oberon and Mab's influence was particularly strong, and these happenings might represent the loss of their influence somehow in the River Kingdoms. We ended the session on Caelan being awoken in the morning to news that Candlemere Island had sunk overnight. Dum dum dum.